Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. And I'm so excited today to be able to speak with Dr. Stephen Masley. Um, Stephen is one of the best known, most highly respected physicians in the world on the subject of integrative, functional, and what I would think of as complete health medicine. Um, Dr. Masley is a physician. He's a nutritionist. He's an expert trained chef. Uh, he's, create, he's the creator of the number one uh, health program for public television uh, entitled The 30 Days to a Younger Heart. He's a fellow of the American Heart Association as well as the American College of Nutrition. And he's the author of multiple books, including five of my favorite reads, which were 10 Years Younger, The 30 Day Heart Tune-Up, Smart Fat, The Better Brain Solution, and his most recent book entitled The Mediterranean Method, um, where he spent three summers researching the very famous Mediterranean diet and tweaking it to even improve it more uh, in what he's calling the Mediterranean Method. Uh, Stephen is the founder of the Optimal of the Masley Optimal Health Center here in St. Petersburg and uh, was the director, medical director of the Pritikin Longevity Center in Miami for over 11 years. So uh, his research and his expertise is just uh, so extensive that we can't wait to talk to him. And Stephen, thank you for joining us today. Delighted to be with you, Ed. Thanks. And uh, what I'd like to do is if we could divide our discussion or interview into two parts, I'd like to, first of all, ask you to share with us your work on the Mediterranean method. And then um, secondly, we'll come back and have a second discussion about the latest information that you're uh, researching on preventing and reversing heart disease, which has been a big subject on our podcast previously. So I'm excited to hear uh, what you can share with us. So tell us about your research on the Mediterranean diet and what you've done with that most recently. Well, as you said, I, I sailed, spent three summers, almost a, 12 months of time sailing around the Mediterranean, exploring health myths, some of what are the benefits of the Mediterranean diet? How is it so diverse? And it's delicious. The food is delicious and it's the easiest diet on the planet to follow. So you're right. I really immersed myself in this because you know, U.S. News and World Report has ranked it as the number one best diet on the planet three years in a row. And, and importantly, it's the easiest diet to follow. So healthiest and easiest to follow. I mean, come on, that's really a win-win combination. Well, uh, tell us what you found when you went over to Europe and a little bit about your travels and exploration there. It's incredibly diverse. There's no doubt that when you think about this cuisine that comes from Spain, France, Italy, Greece, but also Turkey, North Africa, including Morocco. I mean, you've got a vast variety of flavors, but here's what they have in common. They use in abundance plant-based foods like vegetable, fruit, beans, and nuts. They add quite a bit of seafood, much more than we typical American does eat. 
They throw in a little bit of red wine. They cook most things with all extra virgin olive oil. And they use lots of anti-inflammatory spices and herbs. And then they let you have a little bit of what is, by our standards, would be organically raised um, poultry, eggs, and dairy, but in small amounts. And when you, and what they don't have is processed food. They've really cut out the sugar and the processed food from their eating plan. And what you're left with is one of the healthiest diets on the planet. The food's easy to prepare, and it's delicious. The challenge, you know, what we need to do is get the message out and help people find the ingredients to put it together. Well, and I'm sure that's what you've done in your newest book, The Mediterranean Di uh, Method. Well, yes, that is the whole point of the method is how do you help people follow this? Because we know if you do follow it, it helps you prevent and reverse heart disease. It helps prevent dementia. It decreases diabetes. It helps lower cancer rates. And there's really good data in the long term. It's a great weight loss diet, too. The average person who goes on it loses between 10 and 20 pounds and keeps it off for more than a year. So multiple benefits to eating what's one of the most popular eating um, habits on the planet. Tell us a little bit about how you've described all of this in your book, kind of chapter by chapter, if you would. Well... Initially, what is it? And I've tried to describe that. And, you know, it's really created a new food pyramid and looking at the research behind it. So we looked at, you know, what was the research that it had cardiovascular benefits? It's like overwhelmingly beneficial that one study after another has shown this initially for the people living in the Mediterranean. But then what if people in North America or Asia or Northern Europe follow it and they get the same benefits? And then we see it's not just for your heart, but all those other benefits I mentioned as well that come with it. So that, that's really it. going through the science and sharing how fabulous it is for you. And then looking at the food ingredients, really what's in that food pyramid. And a lot of it is about the specific locally grown in season foods. But part of it, I think that was a surprise to me as I researched this, was it's also how we eat, you know, long, leisurely, social meals. They don't snack. They don't, you know, eat at the cupboard or in the car. They sit together basically with family and friends and have prolonged meals. And that's a big part of the benefit that comes with a Mediterranean eating plan. So do they eat three meals a day or what does that look like? I'd say more like two and a half. They definitely have a big lunch. Oftentimes lunch is the biggest meal of the day. And we've seen from several studies that for blood sugar control or weight loss, there's more benefit to eating a larger lunch and a smaller dinner and not eating late at night. They're not snacking. You know, if they have dessert, it's usually fruit at the end of lunch or dinner. And breakfast could actually be quite light. In fact, you could almost skip breakfast and just have coffee or tea. Or you could have something really light like yogurt and fruit or something like that. You know, I think Americans, we think of going to Paris and having a croissant and bread and, you know, pastries. Um, but you usually see that in people on vacation, not necessarily the locals is now they eat every day. You know, traditionally, let's face it, this was a diet for farmers and herders and people who were active eight to 10 hours a day. And most people aren't living that way anymore. So I think one of the biggest changes or adaptions we need to make for the 21st century is the sugar load that comes with a Mediterranean eating plan. 
Um, there was a very important study, the EPIC study, that looked at the original benefits in Greece of this, of the health benefits of it. But over time, in like over 10 years and tens of thousands of people, they looked at what elements had the most benefit, like the vegetable, the fruit, the beans, the nuts, the olive oil. Those were really big beneficial parts. But what had the least benefit were the grains. So really, and grains have the highest sugar load of any of the food we eat. And sugar is the number one cause for heart disease and for memory loss. It's not high cholesterol, it's elevated sugar. So when you think about that, they analyzed it and they said the people who had the best benefit from a Mediterranean diet chose a low glycemic version, meaning they didn't eat very much sugar or flour. They're cutting out the bread and the rice and the potatoes and eating more of those other parts. And that has the greatest benefit at all is a low glycemic version of a Mediterranean diet. Tell us a little bit more about systemic effects of diet and nutrition as you're describing it. And just, you know, we have so much confusion today about different diets and intermittent fasting and, and keto diet and, you know, paleo diet. Just help us sort through that. So that's, I mean, that's a really insightful question because there is all this, and it almost is paralyzing the average American to do something because there's so many controversial plans. But I think the biggest issues are glycation, blood sugar, inflammation, which is the, which a big part of inflammation comes from the mouth. You know, periodontal disease is probably the number one cause for inflammation is the gut. The number two cause is periodontal issues. I mean, so a, so that's a big factor for heart disease and for memory loss and very important for the whole dental community to focus on and realize the important part they play in overall health, not just dental health. Uh, and then nutrient intake, nutrient deficiencies probably have a bigger impact on heart disease than does cholesterol. Not that cholesterol is not important. I'm not saying it's not, but other things like blood sugar, the gut because of the inflammatory effect and nutrient intake might be more important. So I think we've got all these factors and a Mediterranean diet has is a low, a low glycemic version is probably one of the best diets for blood sugar control. It's very anti-inflammatory. It would be highly complementary to an optimal, you know, optimal dental practice to include it. And it's high in nutrients, you know, the major issues that are related to health. So, and if you wanted to throw in partial intermittent fasting or a little bit of ketosis, you could do that by just skipping breakfast several days a week. You know, have a Mediterranean eating plan, skip breakfast two, three, four, up to five days a week. And, you know, you eat, don't eat anything after eight, nine o'clock at night and then fast till noon the next day. And you're going to get 99 per 95% of all the benefits from, you know, as you get from partial intermittent fasting or ketosis for that matter. So there's a lot to be said for how a Mediterranean diet plan is versatile and can be used by many people, easy to follow and has all those benefits. Now you brought something up that was very important, I think, and that is that uh, we have a deficiency in our diet. What I heard you say about the Mediterranean diet is often it's fresh, locally grown foods, fruits, vegetables, etc., which we don't really 
often get. And I'm asking if you can give us feedback on what is the deficiency in the foods that we're buying possibly in the grocery store that have been picked green and, and grown in soils that are depleted. And is that a significant thing? Well, it is. I mean, the nutrient content of food we eat today is far less than it was 20 or 50 years ago. It's not even really close. So eating organic food in many ways will help offset that because organic food is generally grown in better soils. They're not using all those fertilizers, you know, and chemicals. They're having to do it naturally. So there's a definite advantage to choosing organic food. And 80% of the pesticides in the American diet come from animal protein. I don't think most people realize I'm not so worried about the saturated fat or the cholesterol. I'm worried about the pesticides. So if they all, people are eating that, it needs to be clean. So I think those are very important issues that look at, you know, toxins in our diet that I don't think we think about very much. Um, that's very important. Certain foods, um, from what I understand, you want to buy organic and others, it's not as important. Is there a way to decipher, you know, what should we absolutely buy organic and are there other foods that it's not as important? Well, Whit, I think that's a really important question. So number one, I would say it's the animal protein. It's the meat, the poultry, and the dairy products. That would be number one, because that's where most pesticides come from. And I don't think we think about that. Number two is probably thinking about that dirty dozen list. And those, you know, the dirty dozen, the apples, the blueberries, the spinach, you know, those kale, those are really healthy foods. So those are super important that that dirty, you know, between the animal protein and the dirty dozen list, that's most of the pesticides we probably get. So if we could focus on those two things, that would go a long way to cleaning toxins and pesticides out of our eating plan. And, and, and when you said, you know, local is ideal and in Europe, that's pretty easy. That's not so easy in the U.S., but what it really means is buying at least fresh produce, preferably organic. So if you're eating an abundance of vegetables and fruit, beans and nuts, cooking with olive oil and using spices and herbs like Italian herbs or herbs de Provence or fine herbs, you've gone a long way to meeting, to correcting all those nutrient needs. Mm -hmm. Now, um, one question that comes up is supplements. And um, I know as your patient, um, that I have received, you know, supplements from you for my diet and probably mainly because of this deficiency that may be present in the many vitamins that we know that we're low in, like vitamin D, et cetera. Um, tell us as a North American audience primarily, should we be taking daily supplements along with these, this healthy, more organic focused diet? Well, absolutely. I mean, so the RDAs are based on what kind of deficiency would cause a disease in people. They have nothing to do with optimal health. You know, the, the level of vitamin D you need to get rickets is very different than what you need to prevent cancer. So if you want to prevent cancer and autoimmune disease, you'd need more vitamin D. Um, you know, and many of the nutrients are like that. 70% of Americans don't get enough magnesium. And, and even when, when I share it with my, my patients, in, as I have in the past, 
I would say that still 70% when they know where it's at, aren't going to realistically get it unless they take a supplement. Long chain omega-3s. How many people are really eating wild salmon three times a week and sardines and herring? Not very many. So I would say all of us should be taking a healthy supplement regimen to complement an optimal eating plan. And I like the fact that they're called supplements, as in they're supplemental. They can't replace a healthy eating plan. Mm -hmm. And so one of the challenges there is a lot of people um, that I speak to, particularly our patients, aren't really sure what to buy when they go to buy supplements. And uh, we read about things um, like some of the most common uh, one-a-days, I won't name brands, Uh, some are affectionately called bedpan bullets because they go right through you undigested and right on out the other end and doing no good at all. So how do you find good supplements? Well, you and I've had this discussion many times, and I actually think dentists should be more active in offering high quality supplements to their own patients. It would improve the nutrient intake of the of their dental patients. It would include their improve their revenue and it would be good for the for overall health. I mean it's a preventative way of health. And you know, so when we're looking at a multivitamin, as you said, most multis are made the minerals are salts, the magnesium, the selenium, the zinc. They're buying with sulfate or they're 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 salts that are poorly absorbed. A key thing you can look at is are the minerals protein bound? They should be like magnesium glycinate or magnesium malate or magnesium chelate. Protein bound minerals are a sign that you're going to have twice the absorption or more and you don't have the GI distress that comes from salt minerals being undigested in your gastrointestinal tract. You know, so there's many things to look for. You know, are they using mixed folates or just folic acid. 50% of the population can't methylate the folic acid into it, folic acid into its active form by methyl tetrahydrofolate. So, I mean, between, you know, we're looking at what type of ingredients, what minerals are they binding to? Those are, I mean, honestly, I mentioned that in actually quite a bit of detail in the Mediterranean Method, the book, as to how to help people pick a good supplement and what should dentists be recommending to their patients so they can come up with an optimal recommendation. Great. Okay. So we've got a lot of homework to do here and you're going to help us with that. Um, Finding the right organic foods, uh, cutting down on the refined everything and uh, especially sugars, Um, uh, maybe finding a good farmer's market, which my wife, Pat and I have, gone with your wife, Nicole, to the local farmer's market here that we didn't even know existed. And there were probably a hundred different farmers there with uh, different produce that we hadn't ever even tried before that Nicole introduced us to that we've enjoyed since. So there's, there's, I'm sure, opportunities around us that we don't even know about in that regard. Maybe even go to the health food store and have a good conversation with a nutritionist there or find an excellent nutritionist, along with reading uh, your books. Give us, Stephen, if you would, um, and we'll talk about this more in our next conversation about preventing and reversing heart disease, but just some lifestyle ideas as we uh, maybe take another five minutes here and just start getting us oriented into what it's going to take uh, 
to increase our odds of living healthy to 100. Well, that's a really good because, you know, that's one of the things I believe. We should all live in good health to 100 years of age. And eventually we're not going to make 150, you know, but 100 is a reasonable goal for us to attain in good health. That's the key. And I like how you said that. So, I mean, one is choosing the foods, we, the basic foods, you know, the vegetable, the fruit, the beans and the nuts, and they need to be fresh. We got to stop buying out of boxes and cans and packages and, and cook. I mean, it really comes down to trying to enjoy cooking, trying to get families and friends to shop together, cook together and sit and how we eat the food. That social interaction over a non-rushed, leisurely meal, no cell phones, no television. You know, it's us and the food, I think. And it's that hearty, flavorful. I think the second important part is make your food delicious. You know, pour on some extra virgin olive oil. Use enough fresh herbs and spices. You know, they're very anti-inflammatory. They have multiple health benefits. So there's a lot to be said for getting back to basics, getting rid of the processed food that's killing us and retaking charge of our health. And I think the whole dental community is in an excellent position to help lead the way on this. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about fiber. Um, How important is fiber in our diet? Well, if I had you only track one nutrient, it probably would be fiber. I think probably... The biggest advantage for American health, you know, that fiber we get from vegetable, fruit, beans, and nuts, is it lowers cholesterol, it lowers blood sugar, it decreases inflammation, it helps feed the the gut microbiome by giving that fiber to our gut to be used as a nutritional source for our gut microbes as well. Um, So it has all the benefits we're looking for. And the more fiber you eat, you tend to be full and satisfied. So it helps you lose weight. So almost every health benefit I think of, your heart, your blood sugar, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, your waistline, the inflammatory levels, um, all of those things benefit. Oxidation gets better. Inflammation gets better. All of them would benefit by eating more fiber. So yeah, I would say it's the, we should have 10 servings of fiber every day as in 10 servings of vegetable, fruit, beans, and nuts. Okay. So those are the sources of fiber, are those natural foods that we see all around us that we tend to break down and lose the fiber content, don't we? Well, the American processed diet has very little fiber, you know, and it causes so many problems for our health. It's it's, um, tragic that we don't eat better. Yeah. Tell us a little bit in the last two or three minutes about some of the additives and preservatives and food coloring. What detrimental effects come from those things? Well, we've known for years that pesticides cause cancer, but it's only recently we realized that if your pesticide levels are elevated, you're 300% more likely to get dementia. That it impacts blood sugar control. Um, So pesticides are clearly a big factor. Another critical one are the nitrosamines they put in deli meats and processed meats and including bacon that, you know, to keep extend the shelf life of these processed meats and sausages and pepperoni and other popular food items, they add nitrosamines, these 
nitrate, some people call them. Um, although they're, they're a chemically formed nitrate, they're not natural nitrates you get like eating beets or spinach, but they, abs- they absolutely impact blood sugar control, increase the risk for diabetes, increase the risk for cancer. And they dramatic. And when we know from giving them to mice that we can in- rapidly cause Alzheimer's in mice by giving them Alzheimer's. And we see the same sort of thing in humans. So nit- nitrosamines are really a toxin in the food supply. Mercury, a lot of people end up with mercury. Um, yes, they get a slight amount, you know, from maybe the old amalgam dental fillings that I know you would tend to avoid. But most of it comes from eating big mouth seafood, grouper, tuna, snapper, swordfish, shark, large bass, big mouth fish are really a big source of mercury. So when I think of toxins, I think of those are the key ones that come to mind for me. Um, you know, the pesticides from conventionally raised food, more so we should choose organic, nitrosamines from processed meats, and mercury from big mouth fish. Those are some of the, the top ones I think about readily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, as we wrap this session up, I've mentioned again to us inflammation. Just what's the role of inflammation in health and disease? Well, inflammation accelerates a, every aspect of aging. We need a little bit to fight off an infection, you know, to kill microbes. That's what our body uses to kill invaders. But when we're overly inflamed, our joints hurts, we have asthma, we, it, inflammation lowers our metabolic calorie burning rate, so we gain weight, our blood pressure goes up, our blood sugar goes up, it's killing us. So, you know, inflammation in your arteries causes plaque to form and heart disease. Inflammation of our brain causes our brain to shrink. The biggest source of inflammation is the gut, part of from eating junk food and processed food. But as I said, the second biggest form is the, the uh, our gum surface area. You know, when I see my patients and I look at their gums and I see they're inflamed, you know, that's the surface area of their enti- an entire arm. You know, if people had an entire arm that was bright red and inflamed, they would take notice. You know, it would be they would be totally alarmed. But somehow we haven't instilled in them how important gum health is as a source of inflammation. And then it makes a dramatic difference. I mean, treating periodontal inflammation and gingivitis, it not only helps prevent heart attacks and memory loss and all these issues, but people feel better because they're not so achy. They have more energy. They'll lose weight. So there's a tremendous amount of benefit in getting inflammation better controlled. And the two best ways to do that are through the food we eat impacts our, our gut and our gum health and hygiene that we, dental hygiene that's performed. Boy, I sure, I sure appreciate you emphasizing that because I consider you the top complete health physician in the world. And to understand that so clearly as you have articulated is so encouraging. Um, I'll, I'll just throw in with that comment that when we see a 90-year-old come in with all of their teeth and their gums and periodontal health are perfect, no inflammation, no bleeding, no plaque, the first thing I ask them is, tell me about your diet. And inevitably, there are people who say, well, you know, I really don't like sugar very much. And so I don't eat desserts or things like that. I don't really, I just like vegetables and, 
you know, that's kind of like the old farm food that they would eat. And you see it so clearly. It's just a fascinating study in itself. Um, Stephen, thank you for sharing that with us. And we're all going to go out and buy the Mediterranean method because there's a lot of questions that are still, you know, stirring around in our heads to ask you. Um, but I want to invite you, if you would, to come back uh, for our next podcast and talk to us about the latest information on preventing and reversing heart disease. Can we do that? Uh, I, I, I look forward to it. Okay. Thanks, Stephen, so much. We so appreciate you being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss an episode. And follow us on social media. You can find us at Ask Why Medicine on Facebook and Instagram. And in the meantime, ask why. Ask why.